0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: Good day. Wet day if you're in the Bay Area. Most of the United States has four seasons, obviously. Spring blooms eternal love. It's burnt by the summertime heat that cracks into the the dryness of fall and then on comes winter to kill fall off completely and then a little green shrub blooms it's it's rose in spring right The seasons long for each other bay Area, we've got two seasons wet season and dry season and that ain't good but it is what it is. Big money indicators pointing to more record highs in the stock market. If you're worried about the market's record run coming to an end, one strategist from Bank of America says, worry not, fear not, we got your back. It's based on technicals. Uh, Stephen Steven he's the chief technical strategist at Bank of America. He said the advanced decline line of S&P 500 index is broken out in the last month and points to more gains ahead. Bottom line is, it's a big money indicator, and last year, this big money indicator didn't confirm the rally until it broke out in December of 2017. The advanced decline line essentially tracks the moves of the 15 most heavily traded stocks by share volume. A breakout of the line shows that the most traded stocks in the market are seeing a large number of buyers. Do you believe in that kind of, I don't know, what do you call it, fish bones or, you know, uh, kind of crazy theory? That if so many stocks are doing well, then the rest of them should too. It's a tough one to bite off. It's a tough one to have the faith, so to speak. But, for instance, one stock that was a bit of an underperformer, Dow, um, stock Disney, is testing a key level. And it could be very bullish for the stock. The stock could break above $67 a share. Um, It could break out to $75, so says one analyst. Nike stock performance since last summer as people feel more bullish. Nike dips to the $50 level in October 2016 and 2017, formed a double bottom. I picked up some shares of Nike at around $52 last year, and I told you about that. And now it's moved to the, the low 60s. Stocks rallied to 60 plus. Now, again, if it can get above 67, people think it goes to 75. Um, one of the things that they've done well is direct consumer and uh, cutting out the middleman, you might remember there was Sports Authority and a couple companies that basically went bankrupt who used to sell athletic gear, and uh, kind of created a bad transition time for the athletic footwear makers out there. So Dow is one of those Dow stocks that we'll keep an eye on because they can they can still rally higher for sure. Uh, Consultant broker advisor for didn't you know, Any stocks mentioned on the show? Uh, government shutdown. Wah, wah. And Wall Street will care in the short term, but in the long term, will Wall Street care? It's not believed that they will. Government shut down on Saturday. It could spell some trouble for the stock market this week. It could be short term. CNBC's analysis is using Kinshow, found that the S&P 500 fell an average of three-tenths of one percent after the government closed its doors uh, in the past. So, But then it rallies right back. S&P 500 averaged a return of 2.1% a month after a shutdown and traded positive 80% of the time. So we don't put a lot of faith in fear of the government shutdown. Dun, 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 dun. The Patriots are going to face off yet again in a Super Bowl. Oh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. The only thing that I like about this Super Bowl is that the Philadelphia Eagle fans are probably the craziest people on the planet. City crews from Philadelphia yesterday after their win were seeing greasing telephone poles. They don't want the people of Philadelphia to climb the telephone poles. It's a city that has famously thrown snowballs at a parachuting Santa Claus as it comes into a stadium. That is a city that I will not mess with. I will never go to Philadelphia dressed as another team's fan. Never, ever, never, ever, never. They're crazy there. They'll kill you. New England Patriots are going back to the Super Bowl in search of a sixth title. They'll face the Philadelphia Eagles looking for their first Lombardi trophy. Uh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. So Nick Foles, backup quarterback, who was thrust in the starting role when Carson Wentz blew out his left knee last month, led the Philadelphia Eagles to a 38-7 route of the Minnesota Vikings. Not much of a game. The Patriots game was a little bit more thrilling. But, like I said, I don't really care about football. So, as you get older, you kind of just lose a little of that pith and venom, so to speak. Um, AIG, the big insurance company, announced a deal to buy Bermuda-based reinsurance Validus for $5.5 billion. A lot of people think this is going to be a big year of mergers and acquisitions. Duncan Brands got upgraded to outperform, saying that the company has put enough innovations in place to drive sales higher. Harley Davidson, put your um, your rear on some class, as they like to say. Wells Fargo upgraded the motorcycle company today to outperform. Wells Fargo doesn't feel the secular decline in motorcycle sales has ended, but said investors may not be appreciating the benefits of tax reform to the company. So tax cuts, people go, hey, I got a little extra money, go buy a motorcycle. I don't know if I feel that way. Harley-Davidson, to me, kind of represents, I hate to say this, but, like, Clint Eastwood, and Macy, like these old Hollywood actors, it's like, hey, now that I'm an old man, I'm going to get a, a motorcycle and ride it around. It's like my dad's thing to do. My dad's long dead, so he'd have to see, like father black on being a zombie on a motorcycle but you get the idea i I don't know if the new generation cares about harleys so i don't know if it's a brand that that talks to them twitter there's some news out of twitter that sounds a little on the negative side twitter executive anthony noto has been offered the ceo role at a company called social finance Noto is currently in talks with sofi about the job Paper said Noto may turn down the offer and that Twitter might make an extra effort to keep him, given that CEO Jack Dorsey is splitting his time between Twitter and Square. That's out there. Success or failure starts at the top, and Anthony Noto's been pretty good for Twitter. <laughs> Apple got a downgrade today. The analysts at Atlantic Equities are citing softening iPhone demand. Eli Lilly's in the news today. Drug maker stock was downgraded underperform. Down to perform. Credit Suisse is pointing to concerns about the outlook for a diabetes treatment called Trulicity and Humalog. Man, Trulicity sounds great. I want to take a drug called Trulicity, but Humalog? Anything with log in it? No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm crazy. Um, kind, of a, kind of a big, small story out there today. Um... Amazon's automated grocery stores launching Monday after a year of false starts. Amazon Go is finally opening to the public. It's the first automated grocery store that promises no lines and no checkouts no registers, and could be a game changer for the grocery and retail industry. Um, say goodbye to uh, a lot of people in the store. Amazon's testing the concept on a limited basis, and has no plans to implement the technology in Whole Foods. After a year delay, Amazon Go is finally opening to the public. So basically, just put stuff in your bag and scanners in the air know what you did and you open your amazon account and pay for it boom i'm rob black talking all things in financial money investing more find me online at robblackshow.com that's robblackshow.com catch rob black and rob black and your money live on the bay area airwaves weekday mornings from seven to nine on am 1220 kdow and streaming live on the kdow radio app or kdow.biz replay at 7. Good day. Our government shut down. Uh, how long will that last? It causes some people to get a little nervous, a little anxious. Volatility kind of creeps up during this time and people say, well, maybe I should sell some stock. Not me. A lot of people are asking me about General Electric, the general. Uh, one of the greatest stocks of all time left for dead at this point in time. I own none. Unless I own it in like an S&P 500 fund or something like that. Um, but it's broken down below $16 a share. And it's a big question. When will it hit that value that we go, Ooh, you know, just a small rally up to 17 or 18. I'll take a 10% move kind of thing, right? We're going to take a $6.2 billion after-tax charge because of its GE capital insurance portfolio that it expects to contribute $14 billion to over the next seven years to shore up the company's reserves. There's basically no value being assigned to GE Capital, and lower value assigned to GE Digital Initiatives, and the analyst who downgraded today says, we don't see the market paying up for this kind of optionality, the relative size of the charge versus expectations and limited disclosed related, disclosures related to the potential off-balance sheet liabilities. It raises a question about credibility. It's impossible to know what you're invested in if the company's not telling us what their problems are. If they're saying we found a bug in the kitchen, we want to know what type of bug. We want to know how many bugs. We Ow. want to know if the nest has been removed. So the big key challenge right now for General Electric is in North America as it relates to a lack of robust demand for new gas-fired power capacity coupled with installed fleet that is coming off long-term service agreements that were put back in place back in 2000. They've hemorrhaged value over the past year as a new CEO, John Flannery, attempts to turn the conglomerate around. The company recently cut its dividend raise funds, but alienated many longtime investors in the process, because old people don't like it when you cut their dividends. That's pretty well known. We
0: bring good things to live in. We bring good things to life.
1: Not so much today, right? YouTube and uh, YouTube Live... YouTube TV, as I guess it's referred to, and Hulu with Live TV, have signed up hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And I just think there's more bad news for Comcast out there. Even though Comcast is diversified beyond just cable, they're known for cable television. Hulu and YouTube both launched Live TV services last year. Hulu has about 450,000 paying subscribers, and YouTube has just over 300,000, sources say. Both of those services, Trail Dishes, Sling TV, and DirecTV Now, which launched sooner. Hulu and YouTube both have launched these live streaming services as an effort to take on big cable companies with packages of online TV channels of their own. Still very, very early, but 450,000 paying subscribers. Keep in mind, Disney got you know 51% ownership of Hulu if they buy Fox. YouTube Live has over 300,000. Either Hulu or Google, which owns YouTube, have formally announced subscriber numbers, so these are just analysts' kind of figuring out the math. But it comes down to, once again, how many cable channels do you need? And uh, it's a good question. I I enjoy my cable package still, but I know that I'm throwing good money down the drain. Um, I can afford to do that, but it's stupid. I know that's stupid. Because I know that I probably only watch one soccer match on Fox Sports 1, and Comcast Universal would be more than enough for me, which I could get through one of these packages. But I don't. YouTube TV costs $35 a month. Hulu with live TV costs $39. Both of them offering a combination of live sports news and events from host networks. If you don't care about live sports, the original Hulu product is awesome. You get all the program you want for more than $30 less, and YouTube is free. It actually shows you how poor the value proportion is for live TV. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Hulu Plus, which competes with Netflix and Amazon Prime, costs $8 a month for an online library of TV shows and movies. Hulu announced earlier this month that it has more than 17 million paying customers spread across both its on-demand and live TV services. I just read this is bad news for Comcast and Charter. We forget about Charter because I think we tend to talk about the ones that are kind of in our backyard. So YouTube TV launched in April and is available in over 80% of the U.S. households. Hulu started offering the beta version of its live service the following month. In um, May, though... So, it's gonna be interesting to see how our kids grow up watching television and how different it is than we th- than we grew up watching TV. God, I remember, and this is just—it's funny when I say this out loud. Do you remember walk- getting up to change the channel before there was remote controls? Ah, oh, and I lived on the East Coast for a lot of my childhood and no overseas for parts of it. And on the East Coast in winter, you know, my dad was too cheap to run heat, so you would get on our big blanket and watch TV. Just taking that blanket off and dragging your butt over to turn the channel. Like, oh, no good, no good, no good. So that's out there today. Um, the three richest people on the planet. I hate stories like this because it just drives me crazy. A new billionaire is created every other day. The three richest Americans have the same amount of wealth as the poorest half of the U.S. population, and 82% of the global wealth generated last year went to just 1% of the world's population. Do we have an, uh, a gap there that's pretty large? Uh-huh. Now, what's going to be interesting is this week, President Trump, he's going to gather in Davos, Switzerland, for the World Economic Forum's annual meeting. Income equality will be a big story. Conference runs basically Tuesday through Friday, and there's a billionaire boom going on. A perfect storm is driving up the bargaining power of those at the top, while driving down the bargaining power for those at the bottom. I'm really rich. There are now 2,043 billionaires worldwide. Um, And you'll hear phrases, and they're going to become more and more loud. Reward work, not wealth. Um, Out of the 2,043 billionaires, 9 out of 10 of them are men you think there's some inequality of the sexes there nine out of ten billionaires are men wow i'm just throwing it out there for you just throwing it out there for you i'm not socially commenting um extreme poverty is being reduced in the world which is nice and i saw some really nice uh maps on africa last week that showed you know how hunger and disease are on the decline uh, on a 20 year basis, that you know, all the we are the worlds are actually changing the world ever so slowly, but it is changing. So that's out there. You can find me online at dot It's Roblox Show.com. Twitter, Roblox Show. YouTube, Roblox Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Government shutdown is starting to bite. Rising, raising is the right way of saying the political stakes. Federal agencies start work week by carrying out closing plans. That's never good. Senate Democrats cast doubt Monday on hopes for a quick resolution of the government shutdown as they demand a more binding promise from Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on the immigration deal he proposed. Um, oh, it feels bad. It will get resolved. It'll get resolved fairly soon. And if I'm wrong, we'll be entering new territory together. And that's the best way I can say it right now. And I can tell you that historically, this is the time where the market will tend to be on the weak side. But historically, two weeks and a month later, after the deal was hammered out, and we've had government shutdowns before. We had them with Obama. We've had them with other presidents. Uh, a couple of weeks after that, everything's A-OK. Um, typically. Typically. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, more. We have markets are higher right now. That's nice to see. Apple's a little lower on a downgrade. I saw that today. Um, A lot of big questions right now on mortgages, and it's really important this year, more so than any other year, that you talk to your CPA about tax planning for next year. If you didn't do any tax planning for last year. In large part, will you be able to deduct your mortgage interest? Things along those lines. Will you hit AMT or will you not hit AMT? And what can you do to best use your dollars? Um, if you're in your mid-30s, you've got $200,000 laying around. Do you reduce outstanding some of your mortgage or not? Um, if it's a low mortgage rate, do you pay it down? So when you do a 20% down payment on a house, you've already tied up a lot of equity in the home. Then you decide, well, I got $200,000 sterile. I'm going to put it in my home. And be careful because that's when, like, a mudslide is going to happen and you may not be insured for it. You know, the insurance company will go, well, it rained 40 days in a row and that's an act of God. Act of God are not covered. Just look at your terms. You're like, whoa. There's really a thing in insurance writers that say acts of gods are not covered. So you got to run with that. Whoa. Do you not? Whoa. So I suggest talking with a CPA. I work with um, a CFP. I work with uh, Brad out of Chad's offices up in Oregon, and I always come up with questions. I'm like, I'll write one down. Like, should I pay down mortgages? I have some extra cash, and uh, I'll let him do the tax planning on it uh, because I don't run scenarios of taxes. Do you? Um, it's just sorry. It's the way I throw it out there. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Um, we are in fourth quarter earnings season right now, and it gets kicked into full gear in the next two, three weeks. Netflix after the close today, Johnson and Johnson, Travelers, Procter and Gamble, Verizon are before they open on tomorrow. Then you get Nine Technologies GE and Comcast before Wednesdays open. Ford and Whirlpool after American Airlines, 3M, and Caterpillar before Thursdays open, Starbucks after. Those are some pretty big names, and they all are going to tell us something ever so slightly different. Travelers, big insurance company. You know, what were the losses like in travel last year? What were the uh, losses like in the insurance business last year? Procter & Gamble, big healthcare company. Johnson Johnson, big healthcare company. Verizon. um, Unlimited Internet is the competition Sprint who makes a better commercial than Verizon, or Verizon makes a better commercial than Sprint. Are they winning? Winning. Um, American Airlines, travel, domestic. Um, What do we see? Travel, international. What do we see? I was reading a report yesterday that travelers aren't coming to the United States uh, as often as they used to, maybe because of the Trump effect. Maybe foreigners are turned off by our president and they're like, we're not going to go support that economy. And that hurts because I love the Bay Area. There's something I absolutely adore is I love seeing people come and enjoy San Francisco. I don't like San Jose. I don't like Palo Alto. I don't like San Carlos. I don't like parts of Marin. I like Napa. I love. I love it when I see people from around the world come and see what we have here because it is all that and a bucket of chicken. I like it. So that's out there bring in CFP Chad Burton, talk a little financial planning, as we're getting pretty deep into the new year at this point in time, as we're wrapping up the first month, we're 22 days in, let's see if Mr. Burton has anything he can offer to us. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking all things financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com, or hear him right here on this radio station from 1 to 2 p.m., New Focus on Wealth, Risk Tolerance, and Rebalancing. Chad, those are two very big terms. That all investors must be aware of. Why?
2: Well, what'll happen is in good times, people stick with the winners. And okay. that tends to be good for a three year period. And then the best asset class that performed the best over a three year period in the next five years is likely, in one of those years, is going to be one of the worst places to be because things correct. The way that the market works is that you have, you know, 10 year average ratios, 10-year average price-to-sales ratios, and you tend to get pushed well above that for a year or two before it corrects back down. And unfortunately, investors chase that end of the return, because you don't hear about it in the news until the party's already over, until everybody's always saying how good the returns were. People get in late, and then uh, they take too much risk, and then it drops. And then instead of hanging in there for a couple of years until it comes back, they sell. And then by the next winter, that drops three years later. You know, it's just this, this roller coaster ride and short term memory issue that investors have. I remember recently pulling up a chart when the S and P 500 hit a record high, and
1: it was being led by healthcare. The healthcare sector was breaking out, and the underperformer was consumer staples. Mm-hmm. Simply put, and everywhere in between was financials and tech, and they were all in between. So the winners were healthcare. The laggards were. Consumer staples. Right. As a, an active investor, would you say that there's value in consumer staples and that there's growth in healthcare?
2: Like well, yeah, you, but I mean, let me give you an example. It's a perfect example that you brought up because early in 2013, consumer staples had had a huge run. By then, okay, everybody had bit them up because they were dividend-paying stocks in most cases, not high revenue growers, not growth companies, but dividend-paying stocks. So investors piled into them. So all of a sudden, we had dividend yields well below the 10-year average. We had price to sales and P/E ratios well above the ten-year average. We decided to sell consumer staples ETF and go into the healthcare ETF, and that was one of the best-performing asset classes because looked, we looked at the healthcare ETFs and they were almost just the opposite of that because everybody was freaked out of Obamacare and Affordable Care Act, which is and it's the same thing. But so a lot of these companies had been bid down and were trading at a discount relative to the S&P 500, and that's the kind of subtle moves that you make. You buy when it doesn't look right. You know, you buy when nobody else wants it. You don't buy when it's already done well.
1: So when rates are low, people are looking to dividend-paying stocks as bond alternatives. Yeah. You know, the AT&T's, the Verizon's, the telecommunication companies have 4%, 5% dividend yields. Utilities have 2 to 3% dividend yields sometimes. Um, is that a good idea to hide in growth stock or hide in dividend-paying stocks?
2: If you can really babysit it, because... The problem with this is that a lot of those stocks, especially utilities, REITs, and telecom, can be very sensitive to a jump in interest rates. A lot of times, that sensitivity, though, is short-term. The problem is is that you have conservative investors selling portions of their bonds to go into dividend-paying stocks, thinking that they just go up and they pay a great dividend. Those same investors are very conservative. So, when they start to lose money and see a negative value on a statement... They freak out, and so they'll sell right at the bottom of the dip, and they turn their losses into real. So especially you know when you're younger, yeah, absolutely. Just deal with a little bit more volatility. You don't really need bonds, but when you're older, you still have to maintain a level of risk that you're comfortable with. I rebalance twice a year in my 401k. Mm-hmm. Good idea, bad idea? Uh, good idea. I mean, I would assume that you're Rob Black and you rebalance more like you know, every three months, but you know that's just my opinion. I don't think I have that option. Yeah, you go in manually and do it. You can turn on the automatic rebalancer, but come on, log in manually, Rob. Do some rebalancing. Do you realize how important my time is? I know you are a busy man. If I'm not solving cancer,
1: if I'm not finding Noah's Ark, if I'm not out there, you know, trekking philanthropy and helping people in Africa, do you think I have time to do quarterly rebalancing? Come on. <laughs> so when do you, how do you determine it to rebalance? Like, for instance, market correction rebalance, market 52-week high rebalance, or do you just say- Oof.
2: Okay. It's both. Uh, So what what you do is so we have six different models ranging from very conservative to very aggressive, and we have thresholds at every asset class for each model. And as soon as so if we set one model that might be, you know, fifteen percent international developed and ten percent emerging markets, and the international developed goes more than ten percent above its its allocated. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at
1: kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, let's talk about it. Let's not be shy. Government shutdown aside, that's obviously big news, but this too shall pass. That's not a good feeling talking about that, right? This too shall pass. The Minnesota Vikings and the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to the Super Bowl. Government shutting down. It's all out there, right? I don't think it's anything all that great. I saw that Jimmy Garoppolo got a big bonus for the uh, Patriots making the Super Bowl. And if they win the Super Bowl, he gets a bigger bonus. (laughs) I think that's funny. They traded him to the 49ers and He's getting bonuses for the other team doing well. Um, some mergers and acquisition activity out there today. Santa Fe is buying Bioverative for $11.6 billion. Celgene is acquiring Juno Therapeutics for $9 billion. AIG is buying Validus Holdings for $5.6 billion. I tend to like that Monday mergers and acquisition thing. But I think the big news, we just keep circling back on it. World Economic Forum, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We get fourth quarter GDP on Friday. We get some policy meetings out of the Bank of Japan and the European Central Bank this week. And then we get 80 S&P 500 companies reporting earnings. And that's nice. There's some negatives on the stock market. We've been on an up move for nine years with very little negatives on the downside. Very little. Uh, GE is problematic. It's cracked under 16 A lot of people just see it as dead money until the company comes clean and tells us exactly what they're doing. Um, because then you could value it. Ten-year treasure note, it's at its highest level since mid-2014 at 2.63%. Uh, it's on the path to 3% for sure, in my opinion, this year. Um, and that's when you start looking at where you can put your money. Get 3% returns, not bad. Um, market's gonna give you a seven, eight percent, but typically after such a good run in the stock market, maybe not. So people, you know, will they go with that three percent? Will they go with the stock market? What will they go with? And now like mortgage interest not deductible over ten thousand. A lot of people say, Okay, I got interest at ten thousand, thousand. I'm, I'm gonna pay some of it down. If it's at twelve, maybe I'll pay, you know, two thousand dollars uh of payments down to get that interest down. I don't know. I don't know. A lot going on there, to say the least. Um, 800 516, 1220 to each calls on the air. It's 800 516, 1220 to each calls on the air. Haven't had a lot of calls in the last year. That's a bummer, because I do enjoy them enormously. Um, Trump has attacked Democrats over the shutdown hours before an expected Senate vote. Bitcoin. I haven't talked about Bitcoin today. A little Mario money. Uh, tanks another ten percent to start the week. Now below eleven thousand. But get this, get this. One analyst, Funstrat's Tom Lee. He's pretty well noted. He's on CNBC often. You'd probably recognize him if you watch CNBC on occasion. Uh, he's raising his price target on Bitcoin for the end of the year. He sees Bitcoin at twenty-five thousand. Pretty crazy. Uh, That would be quite a move. Atlanta is heavily favored to get Amazon's second headquarters project. It's going to be a crucial decision for Amazon and ultimately change the future landscape and economic trajectory of the city that's awarded the headquarters. Amazon's testing. and Amazon's launched a, a... a clerkless, not clerkless, a cashierless store where you walk in, turn on your Amazon Go app, put stuff in your basket, bag it up, leave, and you get a receipt. Um, I'm torn on that because obviously some jobs in the United States uh, are going to be lost. You know, cashiers. Cashier jobs aren't bad jobs. But they're not good jobs either. They're not high-paying and they're certainly um, sitting there ready to be taken as far as um robots going automation so amazon it's starting to get out that atlanta's really pretty high on the list um you know amazon would lo- raleigh's high on the list washington boston austin those are the ones that are analysts are thinking are the top five i don't see washington i don't see boston too expensive i see atlanta raleigh or austin You get an East Coast presence. You get a thriving engineering surrounding university infrastructure. Good student pipeline. You get transportation hub with major growth potential. Strong technology and pharma industry. Business-friendly political incentives and attractive tax economic long-term benefits. So Atlanta kind of falls into that, and Raleigh does as well. Um, I own some property in Raleigh, so if 50,000 jobs are moving there, I'm thrilled. Thrilled, to say the least. But how do you feel about that? Um, Would you, should you put some money into Atlanta before? I was talking to a trucker yesterday. Pretty interesting person. Um, Pretty interesting person. She's part of a motorcycle gang or club, is the right way of saying it. And uh, she joined that so that when she travels, she always has places to stay. I'm like, I didn't know you could do that. She's like, yeah, we're sisterhood. So that's out there. You can find me online at robblackshow dot com. It's robblackshow dot com. The IMF is upping the forecast for global growth, ultimately saying um, ultimately saying that uh, tax cuts are going to help global growth this year. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.